You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Tennessee football will host fans this weekend for an open practice. We'll also give you some other football tidbits as well. Well, here are some from SEC analyst Cole Kublik, who shared his thoughts on some SEC teams this week heading into next year. And some news on the SEC basketball front. So we've got guys committing, guys declaring, guys transferring. We'll update you on all of it. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's hop into it. we got a lot to get to. Let's go around the conference. Around the conference. We start in Knoxville as Tennessee fans will have their first chance to see Josh Heupel's offense in person on Saturday. As the program announced, the team's weekend practice will be open to the public. It is scheduled to begin at 10 a.m. Eastern inside Neyland Stadium Saturday morning. The only other opportunity for Vol fans to see the team in person this spring will come with the upcoming orange and white spring game set to take place on Saturday, April 24th. On the quarterback competition, Josh Heupel talking with the media yesterday said all three quarterbacks have done a good job of managing the game. They all take care of the football. They're all picking things up. That is a real competitive group that has approached the meeting room and practice field the right way. So that is one thing a lot of Vol fans will be watching throughout the uh, spring. Over at Alabama, they can't have a massive live animal on campus, but they may soon be getting a seven-ton elephant statue, according to AL.com. The relocation of a statue from the North River Yacht Club is reportedly on the agenda when the University of Alabama system trustees meet on uh, today. The statue named Tusca weighs seven tons and is 19 feet tall. Moving the statue will cost around $400,000. If it's moved to Alabama's campus, it would be located on the northwest side of Bryant-Denny Stadium. I'm sure a lot of Bama fans want to see that happen. Over at Ole Miss, head coach Lane Kiffin recently shared a clip of his team warming up to Miley Cyrus blasting in the background, and he even turned to the camera to give the performer a shout-out. He then tagged her on Twitter after practice. Classic Lane Kiffin, but uh, old Lane is trying to get his team fired up. Look, I I think nothing's going to get your team fired up more than playing Miley Cyrus. They'll go even harder, run even faster, because they want practice to end quicker. Over at LSU, Coach Ed Ogeron said he's been very impressed by the leadership role his junior defensive back Derek Stingley Jr. has shown on the practice field this spring. Said he comes in with a smile every day, working hard, tight coverage, breaking up balls, breaking up passes, interceptions. But the one thing I like about him is his leadership. He's actually stepping up and saying things and also leading by example. So Derek Stingley expects to hear his name called very early in next year's NFL draft. But uh, sure, he's got a lot left in the tank this year for another year at LSU. Over at Missouri, senior tight end Daniel Parker Jr. was arrested. And on Wednesday, Boone County Police for... uh, Uh, for failing to appear in court. He was summoned to court after being ticketed for speeding. He's recorded going 20 to 25 miles over the speed limit. He's already out on bond. If you recall, this time last year, Parker made the news when he revealed he had suffered from a serious eye injury that held him out of spring practice. 
is a 2018 freshman All-SEC team selection. Has caught 29 passes for 240 yards and a touchdown. So we'll see what happens with Daniel Parker. Expects to be a starter this year. And also after entering the transfer portal back in November, former Missouri wide receiver Dominic Jacinto has announced he has signed with New Mexico State. So he'll be heading to the Aggies. Over Kentucky, the latest prospect to commit to their football program for their 2022 recruiting class comes from Danville as Jackson Smith of Boyle County High School has just announced his commitment to Kentucky. Jackson Smith is a kicker that also has the ability to punt. His dad, Andy Smith, was an all-SEC punter for the Wildcats. Smith is 5'11", 170 pounds, not currently ranked on the 24-7 composite rankings. But following his commitment, Kentucky now holds five commitments in their 2022 recruiting cycle, three of which come from in-state, and the recruiting class currently ranks 31 nationally. Over at Florida, Jahari Rogers, a one-time top 10 overall cornerback prospect coming out of high school. He has entered the transfer portal and has announced he is officially committed to SMU. So the former Gators, DB, will now play a lot closer to his hometown of Arlington, Texas. As a recruit, he was the number eight cornerback prospect in the country and a top 100 overall recruit in the 2020 recruiting cycle. Basketball news, Alabama Hoops guard Namari Burnett from Texas Tech has announced he is transferring to Alabama. He picked the tide over the likes of Auburn, LSU, Illinois, and others. He was a four-star prospect, left Texas Tech after just a handful of games this year. Speaking of LSU, they uh, just a day after Trendon Watford announced he's declared for the NBA draft and hiring an agent, so now is guard Javante Smart. Smart had 93 career games with the Tigers, really solid career, really solid season this past year for LSU. In Florida hoops, Penn State guard Myron Jones announced he is heading to the Gators. That now makes three transfers for Coach Mike White in recent weeks. Jones averaged 15 points this past season, led Penn State in minutes played. Now he'll be a Gator. Over at South Carolina, Frank Martin, he picked up another transfer for his Gamecocks. George Mason transfer A.J. Wilson announced his pledge to the Gamecocks on Wednesday. Wilson played in 21 games this past year, averaging just under eight points. And Jerry Stackhouse, the Vanderbilt basketball program, bright lights ahead as they landed a pair of huge commitments from the state of Texas on Wednesday night. Green Hill School standouts Lee Dort and Noah Shelby are both committed to Vanderbilt. Dort is a five-star prospect on 24-7 sports, big-time recruit, and Shelby is rated the number 104th overall recruit in the country with a Knoxville Catholic product Presley Patterson already committed. Vanderbilt's 2022 recruiting class is ranked number one in the SEC and number three nationally on the composite rankings. So that's a big get for Jerry Stackhouse, hoping to turn things around moving forward at Vanderbilt. And that is around the conference. When we return, you'll hear a little bit from Cole Kublick talking all things SEC football this week, along with Jacob Hester. That's next. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We tell you guys all the time about bet online. Plenty of stuff to get into. You got the NBA rolling along here still for another month and a half, extended into almost getting into those summer months. They've got you covered there if you want to get in on nightly action with the NBA or NHL or. You know, you want to start getting in some future bets. We got the NFL and college football right around the corner. Do you feel good about Alabama repeating as champs? 
You're not going to get very great odds on them, but uh, maybe some of the longer shots like Ole Miss or, uh, you know, maybe even you think Georgia. This is finally the year they get over the hump and win the championship. You can do so at betonline.ag. They got you covered with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head over to their website right now. You can do so on your mobile device, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. It is bet online. That code to use is locked on. L O C K E D O N, all caps. Use the code locked on. You will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport. With the help of our local experts, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Wanted to uh, play a little audio for you from our buddy uh, Cole Kublik, who we've had on the podcast before. He was on with our good friend Jacob Hester this week on his show on ESPN Radio 104.5. And I thought we would play a couple cuts for you because Cole always brings the information, brings the heat, brings what you need to know when talking all things SEC. And Jacob and Cole Kublik started talking a little bit about the SEC football season next year, kind of looking ahead as we're in this uh, April month, still got to get into uh, summer and all that, but a lot of teams wrapping up their spring practices over these next couple weeks with their spring games and all that. And uh, first thing that Cole talked about was which teams could take a step forward next year in the SEC. I think LSU will will take significant steps forward compared yeah. to where they were this year, and I, and I think that's that's sort of the big difference is if you're talking about where they were last year, then absolutely, then I think some teams are going to move. Um, you know, I, I, I think can Tennessee go much further back? I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, I don't think that they're going forward, but I, I, I do think that they could go back a little bit uh, compared to what they were a season ago. Um, I don't think Texas A&M falls off very, very far. I think they'll be in the mix, top of the West. Um, I don't think Auburn moves much. I think actually Mississippi State could make a move because you know now you got a quarterback in place, a young group of skill guys. You're not going to have you're not going to have veterans that are leaving in the middle of the season. A little bit worried about the leaders on defense being gone. Errol Thompson, Kobe Jones going to move on. You know, those guys did a lot for that defense last year. Uh, Marquis Spencer was really good for that defense. But the way Zach Garnett runs it, I mean, they're, they're going to be problematic no matter who they're facing. So I, I would say that I think LSU is going to move up a little bit. I think Mississippi State could move up a little bit. Um, I think Kentucky will, will make a move back up a little bit. Okay. I don't think they're going to – they're not going to win the East, but – that was an uncharacteristic season and an unexpected season sort of on the negative side of things for the Wildcats last year. Yeah, I think a real interesting answer there from Cole when you start to look at uh, some of the teams, how they finished last year. And keep in mind, last year was a very odd year. It was very unique where we played a complete SEC schedule. And so, you know, Vanderbilt going 0-9, they wouldn't have gone winless in a normal year. They were bad, but they weren't that bad. You know, they would have played a cupcake or a couple of cupcakes and would have been able to get their their wins. You know, and then you look at teams like Arkansas and Mississippi State finished three and seven. You know, Arkansas did still become bowl eligible, went to a bowl, as did Mississippi State. But in a normal year, you're looking more at six and six for those programs. You know, Mike Leach and Sam Pittman in their first years in the SEC, I think probably would have gone six and six last year had they been able to have those 
you know, quote unquote cupcake non conference games. You know, Ole Miss probably wouldn't have been an eight win team last year. LSU was five and five, but you know, does that change? Uh, you know, if their schedule had shaped up, remember they added Missouri to the schedule and ended up losing that game. So you swap that out for a Louisiana Tech or somebody like that, they they would have played. LSU probably would have had a couple more wins. You know, Auburn, they go six and four in SEC play, but let's say that they go eight and four, maybe even nine and three in a normal season. Would that have been enough to fire Gus Malzahn? So it's just so many different things that could have happened last year after last year had it been a normal season, but it wasn't. We turn the page, we move on. We're happy we were able to have a, a uh, football season in a COVID year, but you know, it is what it is. We turn the page and we look forward to getting back to some normalcy, you know, maximum fans in the stands possibly, or at least bigger crowds of SEC fans in the stands, Uh, more game day atmospheres with bands performing and things like that. And then, you know, on top of it, um, getting back to those quote unquote cupcake games or non-conference schedules where you'll be able to have an opportunity to improve your resume and your win total. I think all that's coming this way for next uh, SEC season. A little bit more from Cole Kublick on with uh, Jacob Hester on uh, 104.5 ESPN Radio. Uh, Jacob asked Cole, can Florida, in his mind, compete with Georgia in the East this year? Remember Emory Jones taking over at quarterback for Kyle Trask. Can Florida really compete with Georgia in the East this year? I don't think so. No, not with not with what they lost, Jacob. And you're talking about, okay, if Emory Jones comes in, you know, you're still losing a guy like Kyle Trask that was extremely accurate and did some things for you down the field. I think if Emory is good for you, then what he's going to be able to do is add some of the run threat and coming. I think you and I even discussed this. There were times last year where last two years where Kyle Trask was their short yardage back yeah. and, and pretty effective for him in that role. I think Emory Jones could be a little bit more dynamic inside of that role and be somebody who obviously can, can give you a little bit more, but, Kadarius Tony was the ultimate Swiss Army knife. Whether you're lining him up out wide, motioning him, handing the ball, he can line up at quarterback. He played quarterback in high school. He's going to be out. Trayvon Grimes, your big physical red zone receiver, your one-on-one matchup problem, and then of course Kyle Pitts, who is just yeah. everything. I mean, line him up in line next to the tackle as a tight end, flex him out, throw him fades back shoulders. Um, you know, he's ultimate mismatch for me. You had really three mismatch issues on that offense last year that may not be back, and the offensive line still wasn't good. I don't think they're just going to automatically be a lot better this year. So um, you, you lose some production on defense at the same time, so I don't. I think the defense might be okay, but I don't know if that offense is going to be explosive enough to be able to get past Georgia. See, I may be a little bit more bullish on Florida this year. I, I think they're still very good. Yes, they lose a lot in Kyle Trask and, and all the pieces that they lose at receiver and on defense, but I – I think Florida's going to still be pretty darn good, and they got a nice ramp up to their schedule this year. They do get uh, a couple of kind of dress rehearsals, I call them, with the first couple of games against uh, Florida Atlantic and then a, a road trip to South Florida before they play Alabama. And look, they're going to be underdogs in that Alabama game, and they very well may lose it, but it's back in the swamp. We'll see what fan attendance looks like. Maybe the home crowd can help play a factor but it's all about how quickly can Emory Jones take that leap forward. Can he be the guy? We're not asking him to be what Kyle Trask was last year because Trask was on another level for many of those games. But can he be just productive, move the chains with his feet at times, and keep the defenses earnest and off balance? And I think Emory Jones has a chance to do that this year for Florida. When we return, we'll hear a little bit more from Cole Kublik talking all things SEC football. 
Quick reminder, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. Tons and tons of different flavors that you can try from caramel brownie to cookies and cream, cherry barcia, carrot cake. If you're looking for a little bit of a change up, they've got all the flavors listed on their website at BuiltBar.com. What they are are protein bars 100% covered in chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are great if you're the health conscious person, you're looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. I tell you guys all the time, stop grabbing those potato chips and cookies or whatever you're grabbing, that junk food at the office late in the afternoons, reach for a belt Bar. Load yourself up on protein. The cookies and cream I tell you guys all about, which is my favorite, 17 grams of protein packed in there, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. Look, it still tastes great. It's chocolate. It's not you know the 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 most healthy thing for you if you're looking to uh, you know eat lettuce and salad all the time. But if you're looking for just an alternative to some of the junk food stuff out there, and you need to pack it with protein, I tell you, uh, if you're out working out, looking to add on some muscle and all that, this is great to add that protein to your diet and help you build up that muscle. Go check them out at builtbar.com. And when you find something you like and you want to check out, use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Hey, it's April, and the Locked On NFL Network of Podcasts is shifting into draft mode. April 19th through the 26th, tune into the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. And stay tuned for more info about where you can find the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, speaking of the NFL draft, I'm going to give you a couple tidbits in just a bit. Uh, Devontae Smith and Mac Jones announcing some news yesterday, as well as Todd McShay's latest mock draft where he's got some of the SEC guys going. We'll update you with that in just a bit. But I wanted to wrap up our conversation uh, playing a couple of clips for you from Cole Kublik, one of the best out there to cover all things SEC. He was on with our buddy Jacob Hester on 104.5 ESPN this week, kind of uh, previewing or looking ahead to some of the teams next year that could rise up and surprise and be contenders in the SEC next year. And uh, Cole was asked about Ole Miss. They bring back one of the great passers in college football from last year and, you know, and arguably the best quarterback in the SEC this year in Matt Corral. Can Ole Miss improve that defense at all? Here was Cole Kublik when he was asked, can the Ole Miss defense improve at all? <laughs> Like, just get a stop. Give, give me, like, one, <laughs> one stop a yeah. half. Give me a stop a half and a turnover a game, and then they're better. Yeah. I mean, if, if they if they, if they they get just 10% better, it's going to look a hell of a lot better yeah. because they were that bad. And I think adding Otis Reese late in the season gave him a bit of a playmaker, a, a guy that could help him do some things. They did get a couple guys back on that side of the ball. They're going to play another year. At least that gives you some experience. I think they have to find a way to let Sam Williams be a disruptor. There there were critical points towards the end of last season where he wasn't on the field. And for a lot of times in certain games, in certain games that I called, and I'm thinking, where's 13? He's the best player they got. He's not even out there. Um, But I I, I do think that you've got a guy that could be a disruptor up front you got a couple of linebackers that have experience. I mean, most Sonogo getting hurt early last year obviously hurt them. But it, just go, go, give me a TFL, give me a sack, dislodge the football, give me an interception, 
they if they can just make a couple more plays a half, it's going to look a thousand times better than it was. And ultimately, Hester, it comes down to this. Get the ball carriers to the ground. Yeah. And, and that's just – it sounds so simple, and I know people hear that, and they're like, oh, yeah, of course, no, we get no one – that's what you're supposed to do. But they couldn't do that last year. Like, literally could not <laughs> get ball carriers to the ground. So <laughs> – if they can find a way to tackle and, you know, maybe a, a different kind of fall practice or spring ball or whatever can help them do that. Cause they're still going to be explosive on offense. And I know they lost a lot, a lot. Here's one of the weirdest things to me. This is kind of a side note. Like we spend all this time juggling those top three receivers at the draft. And like Jamar is unbelievable. Devonta had an amazing season. Waddle is super elite, but like no one talks about Elijah Moore. Right. And if yeah, you're telling weird. me that if you're if you're telling me the size is a problem, well then you have to remove Jalen and Devonta from that conversation because Jamar's the only one that, that separates himself from a size perspective there. Like Elijah might not he I mean Devonta and Waddle might have an inch or two on Elijah, but he's got like ten, fifteen pounds on Devonta Smith and, and he's a little bit heavier, I think, than Jalen is at the same height. So it's like where where's Elijah Moore? Somebody's gonna get an absolute steal like middle of the second. With Elijah Moore, it's going to be a guy that's just as good as a couple of the guys that go like middle of the first round. It's a really but good point. He, he'll be tough to replace. Kenny Yaboa tough to replace, but you got most of that offensive linebacker. I mean, think about this. Nobody talks about just how balanced that offense was last year. Nobody. And I think if, if you went and asked a random SEC fan, you're like, who had the SEC in rushing last year? They'd be like, well, Alabama won the Joe Moore Award. And, you know, they, they Alabama had, uh, they had, you know, all those running backs and Najee Harris. Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing last year. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they rushed for they rushed for 211 yards per game. It's six more than than, than Texas A&M rushed for per game. And actually, in the middle of the season, it was a there was a lot more discrepancy than that. So, um, I mean, they 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 were dominant on the ground. And Alabama had, I mean, about 55 more rushing yards, but obviously played three more games. So, rushing yards per game still belongs to Ole Miss. It's a balanced offense that uses tempo, that spreads you out, finds mismatches. I mean, the, the offensive brain power between Kiffin and, you know, Levy and the guys they got on that staff is, is pretty remarkable. And they're going to be a problem for anybody. They have one of the best quarterbacks returning in college football. I know he's mistake prone and he, he'll throw some picks at the same time, but you probably can't go five or six other quarterbacks that you'd rather have that are coming back in college football this year than you would Matt Corral. Great stuff there from Cole Kublik. Always bringing the uh, stats and everything that you need to know. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, real quick, uh, Devontae Smith and Mac Jones, both among the players announced announcing that they are headed to Cleveland. They will be at the NFL Draft later this month in person. Of course, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver, projected to be a very high first-round pick. He is among a group of players who accepted their inv- invitations to attend the draft. Uh, the NFL announced last month that some of the top prospects – Uh, are being invited to Cleveland. The league is hoping to incorporate some of the city's best-known locations along Lake Erie, such as uh, First Energy Stadium, home of the Browns, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I've been there, by the way. It's awesome if you ever get a chance to go. But uh, coming up April 29th, the start of the first round, they will uh, have some players there in attendance in Cleveland. We know last year the draft was held virtually online but uh, Smith will not be the only member of the national champions in attendance. Mac Jones, who we mentioned, is also going as well as defensive lineman Christian Barmore and cornerback Patrick Sertan. They will all be there as well. Also, in addition, will be uh, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase, who won the national title with LSU just two years ago. Uh, North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance, 
Florida tight end Kyle Pitts, Miami edge rusher Gregory Russo, Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons, and Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley. Uh, there was news a couple weeks ago as Trevor Lawrence at Clemson announced he will not be attending the draft in person. He's going to stay home uh, at Clemson, surrounded by family and friends and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, very cool that uh, Alabama will be well represented. LSU will have Jamar Chase and Florida will have Kyle Pitts. We'll see if any other the high, highly touted SEC guys end up there. In fact, I saw this week a lot of NFL players going to bet or former NFL players on social media going to bat for J.C. Horn as the best cover corner in this draft over Patrick Sertan. There's a lot of thought that if the Cowboys sit at the tenth pick, you know, will they stay put and just take the best the best corner available, whether it's Patrick Sertan or uh, J.C. Horn. And uh, I feel like you can't go wrong with either. I think both guys are going to be very good at the next level. But there was also a buzz that Jerry Jones of the Cowboys really loves him some Kyle Pitts and could be willing to move up if you're the Cowboys to go get Kyle Pitts and just add him to a ridiculous offense led by former Mississippi State quarterback Dak Prescott. All those receiving weapons they have as well. You can't imagine seeing Kyle Pitts running out there at tight end with them. That would just make it that much more dangerous. But the latest uh, Todd McShay mock draft that he dropped this week, he's got Mac Jones going number three to the 49ers, and that seems pretty consensus out there. As you hear a lot of buzz, we know the Niners just a week ago traded up to that number three spot, but it sounded more and more like Mac Jones is going to go number three. Seeing a lot of people in their mock drafts, including McShay, put Kyle Pitts at four overall to the Atlanta Falcons. I know a lot of SEC fans across the South, uh, you know, many of them are, are Falcons and Saints fans, but can't imagine seeing Kyle Pitts uh, suiting up for the Falcons and running routes for them going fourth overall. Uh, he's got Jamar Chase from LSU going fifth overall. I know LSU fans will love that to see Joe Burrow, the, the former Heisman Trophy winner, back with his uh, biggest weapon that he had at LSU in Jamar Chase. That'd be a lot of fun. McShay's got Devontae Smith going one pick later to the Miami Dolphins. And again, another fun matchup if you're a Bama fan. Tua you know, reunited or, or united with a uh, wide receiver in Devontae Smith, who spent his career at Alabama, and obviously those guys played together. Uh, McShay's got Jalen Waddell going seventh overall, one pick later to the Detroit Lions. And then Patrick Sertan going eighth overall to the Panthers. So if you're keeping track, that's literally an Alabama p- player going uh, three, six, seven, and eight. Florida playing going fourth, and Jamar Chase from LSU going fifth. That's insane. And he caps it off with J.C. Horn going tenth uh, overall to the Cowboys from South Carolina. So a couple other the SEC players he's got going in the first round. You kind of have to go down a bit, but Kadarius Tony he's got going twentieth overall to the Chicago Bears. They're always seeming to need. A good uh, weapon at wide receiver. He's got Najee Harris, running back from Alabama, going 24th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU, the wide receiver, going 27th to the Baltimore Ravens. I like this one a lot. New Orleans Saints, he has them taking Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss at number 28. It's the first time I've seen you know one of the big guys, uh, big you know mock draft guys, and Todd McShay putting Elijah Moore into the first round. We've heard rumblings that he could that he could end up there. But this is the first one that I've seen where they do have Elijah Moore going in the first round. And obviously Jameis Winston as their quarterback now. A little bit of a you know transition from Drew Brees, but be fun to see Elijah Moore out there with the Saints. And then uh, Jamin Davis, the, the guy who has climbed up everybody's draft boards in recent weeks out of Kentucky. Inside linebacker, uh, he, Tom McShay has got him going 29th overall to the Green Bay Packers. But 
uh, man, Bruce Feldman tweeted yesterday, said a few months back the NFL told Jamin Davis he was likely a fourth or a fifth rounder if he left Kentucky early, and now there's a lot of buzz that he could go in the first round. So that is quite a rise for him. And just to finish things out, uh, 31 overall, Todd McShay's got Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, the pass rusher, going to the Kansas City Chiefs. So a lot of SEC guys expected to go high in this year's draft, and going to be a lot of fun to watch and you know it's every year it seems like the SEC just owns the uh the first round of the NFL draft that is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC we'll talk to you guys next week as we get into more spring football talk as a lot of the spring games starting up very very soon and uh, we'll be able to give you some highlights and talk about who's standing out and who could be set to be the next big breakout stars in the SEC next season I'm Chris Gordy you guys have a fantastic weekend and we'll talk to you guys next week